1: Bicurion is our answer to the polarizing culture we live in. So how would you define Bicurion? The exploration of two
0: ends of the continuum.
1: I think that bicurian to me means an openness to finding common ground. It facilitates ongoing investigation because one of the greatest things about being human, I think, is just being curious. Please check us out at Bicurion.com and follow us on your favorite social media platform of choice.
0: Everyone, we're here with Aisila. Aisila, I don't want to mess this up. I'm sorry. Ais- you did it,
1: No, it's great. Aisila. Aisila
0: Lewis, <laughs> who is uh, the one of the creators of Bikurian, which is so awesome. And you're here with us, with the live audience, with wisdom. Uh, additionally, uh, we're here on Zoom talking about everything—honest, open, respectful conversations, discussions. So. I want to get a good idea about your background related to bikeri and how this came about. You
1: know, oh, thanks, Dan. Thanks for asking. It's a it's my passion project, so I love to to share about it uh, for a long time. As a social justice activist, I worked in grassroots uh, organizing, and one of the things that I ran into a lot is that a lot of the what I would consider to be damaging behaviors that people engage in often come from almost a place of self-harm, that that folks will be in a situation where they are not able to embrace them themselves as a whole being because we're supposed to be rational and consistent. We want all the boxes to fit together. And then we come into something that maybe doesn't fit our, our preconceived notion of our own boxes. And we then put ourselves into a place of having to choose, or frankly, someone else will put us into that. It's an, if then statement, that's not true. Like if I'm a liberal, then I'm anti gun right? Like that's not actually true. (laughs) Right. And that's probably not as personal or painful of a one, but it, but it can be because then you're, you're in this place of, of not really being able to be authentic because you've you've already decided that that something can't be part of you, and so the the idea of biocurian for me came from that place of saying, what if we lived in a world where people felt a sense of being able to embrace their contradictions or their seeming contradictions? How how would we show up if we stopped believing these if then statements that are damaging, and then. Additionally, how would our conversations with other people go? So if I'm not sitting here feeling like I have to win for my identity, <laughs> I can receive the things that you're sharing in, I think, a more open open way. I don't feel like I'm losing something by acknowledging a, a position you have or, or a way of being that you the conversation can come from that place and be healthier, be more open, maybe be a little more ambiguous because we're not going to, we're not going to walk away with some decisive thing. Yeah. However, I think we walk away with more connection and more, more learning and more awareness. And that's the, the world that I want to live in, right? Like, and, and ultimately kind of one of the things that you and I talked about, and obviously I think your show, so in alignment with what we're trying to do. Yeah. So it's one of those, I was so excited to discover Exactly. Me is that same thing of like, it's okay. It's okay to have that and let's, let's live in that world. And I think there's a lot of like pain and extremism that maybe we could not be, be in if, if we embrace that.
0: Yeah, most definitely. I think we have a very similar idea about the things that we discuss. And actually, before we got on here, I was talking a little bit about, um, what I learned a little bit about your show, and I love I love the whole thing. Like when you say combative topics, you know, there's a there's a variety of combative topics, whether it's you know religion, politics, gun control, whatever it may be. But learning how to argue in a way that is not destructive to other yeah. people. And so one of the I was telling the audience that one of the, during my education, one of the biggest things we used to do during my philosophy classes, we would discuss topics that we didn't agree with, and we had to defend those topics and do that, which is incredibly hard to do because you have this visceral feeling of like, I don't believe in this, but I have to actually try to convince someone else that I do believe in this and, and uh, learning how to argue for that, which is a very powerful exercise to do.
1: Now, that sounds really very powerful and and and, and self-instructive uh, around uh, things that matter to you right like if if you can take on the opposite view then even if you're not even if you don't manage to convince yourself of anything right when you are going forward in your belief you've maybe identified some of the holes in your own logic and are able to present a little bit more thoughtfully and hopefully like you know with more compassion right more invitations
0: yes Yeah, it's a it's a very powerful exercise and uh, one I've done many times. And I think it just it just helps you to like it may not change your opinion, but as you said, it helps you kind of maybe like okay, why do I think this way about certain things, and how can I go about talking to somebody? And I think that's the whole thing is maybe you you guys talk about it's like how do we play nice in a sense? How do we be respectful? even though we're talking about things that often elicit a very difficult thing. So take me through some of the ways that you guys do that through your podcast.
1: Um well uh so one of so we have a couple of formats that we followed and we're still in the process of iteration because the it, it, we're making it up, right? Like sure. um but for example, we'll take a topic and uh, like you mentioned, like sex work or guns mm-hmm. or um, ageism, which was the most controversial topic we ever, <laughs> we ever presented really? on ageism. Well, tell, well, tell I know, right?
0: That. Yeah. I want to know how this plays <laughs> into that.
1: Well, so, and so we'll take a topic like that and um, we'll do some research. So I, I would, you know, I, I would post on my Facebook page, like we really want to take on uh, looking into sex work like what are the you know what are not just your visceral reaction around mm-hmm. it, but what are actually what's actually going on there, and so and I have a very diverse uh, Facebook page because of my background. Um, I have people from a, a variety of ideologies, and so I'll I'll post a topic up there and I'll ask people to to share their thoughts and and, and that kind of thing and and like I said like we, we, we did one on guns and we got some really interesting input and same thing as like the sex work one. And, um, gosh, there are a couple of others that were, that I could would consider, Oh, drugs, like the legalization of drugs and yeah. how that fits or the decriminalization of it. Mm-hmm. And then I posed this question about ageism and, you know, I was thinking about how we perceive ageism only for older people, but actually there's a lot of anti-millennial, um, reactivity and dismissiveness. And, and so like really taking on that concept, like what's ageism? How does it affect people? How does it affect us socially? Um, And I think it's contextual. Like if you're applying for a job in the tech industry and you're over 30, there's a certain amount of like discrimination. Uh, But like, once again, the millennials get a lot of discrimination. So I put that up on my Facebook page and and people on my page, they do know that there's a diversity of participants and I will monitor things because I I dislike people being rude or, you know, unkind. people were cussing at each other calling each other just like awful names right because I was just like oh my gosh how on earth did this become the topic that turned into a brawl essentially (laughs) and um and I I don't know I think I think because it is contextual I think because it's very personal like the like someone was talking about being in a uh, relationship with someone who was like a little bit older than we would typically consider to be um socially acceptable uh-huh. or um normal whatever that is and right. and so I think that conversation maybe which it just it, it was so much more personal and and maybe because people aren't as used to the the rhetoric like if I'm in my call and response with you about gun rights I might get passionate but I'm less likely to be per- feel personally attacked yeah. Then if you're saying that people who date someone m- more than a decade away, you know, are blah blah blah, you know, degenerate or whatever, like I'm probably gonna take that stronger. I don't know, but it was just a moment where I was like, wow, like yeah. I would not, if you had asked me what's gonna be the most controversial topic it, that you're gonna go, I would be like, that wouldn't have come in my top ten.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. So it was just interesting to see that.
0: So what are so as you're doing it? What are some of the things you discuss to? help people to play nicer when they have these discussions, there any specific like um, strategies that you guys are talking about to, and I'll jump in about what I do too, with this, obviously. And anybody else? No,
1: I would here, love that.
0: <laughs> got a lot of people on here who mm-hmm. are listening. If, if you are doing this as well, or you're trying to have open, honest discussions, but you feel it's very difficult to do that. You want some advice, we're here to help or provide advice to us. It's an open forum for that setting. that One of the things that I do, set the ground rules, set the expectation for behavior. Coming on here and having uh, very hateful behavior is not tolerated. You should not tolerate. You tell people ahead of time the expectation that you have for the situations. But anyways, tell mm-hmm. me what you're doing and I'll, I'll give you some feedback, you know, too. Yeah,
1: no, absolutely. And I think they, like, I'll just say two things obviously yes I agree ground rules and and what you're doing right now is I think a great way to model that curiosity and that recognition that you're there's learning to be had like I've been doing this for a very long time yeah. and I'm I still learn every day uh, because it it's not it's not a quantitative yes, no math operation. (laughs) This is a, this is a qualitative interaction with other human beings and with my own assumptions and learning. And so that's, that's, I think one part of it is what you're talking about is that openness to recognizing I have something to learn. Um, I actually wrote a blog article a little bit about that, the having difficult conversations um, based to start with on I feel like the minute that you take a position that dehumanizes the people with whom you disagree, you've lost yourself. (laughs) You you cannot have a successful, positive, or potentially transformational exchange with someone if you are viewing that person as an other Mm -hmm. or as an object or a symbol, Like, and and, because you're not actually talking to them. You are talking to your idea of what they represent. Um, And so that's one of the big things is, in in my own self, really being present to, uh, how do I make sure that I know I'm talking to you (laughs) as opposed to my idea of you. And that's much harder with our family, right? Like, so that's why I can more easily have a conversation about uh, immigration with a random stranger because I have a better chance of seeing them than maybe with my wonderful, but very conservative father. (laughs) (laughs) Like, and, And we that's also a place where I've practiced this a lot. Like my dad and I are really close. And we are 100% on the, I would say, very polar opposites politically. Uh-huh. And so over the years, really learning how to talk to each other, I think, has given me a lot of opportunity to develop the skills to, to have these conversations in a different area. Right. So that's one, like not dehumanizing them. I have others, but I'll start, start there and then we can- Yeah, let's learning.
0: keep the conversation. So I think that's awesome. Is you you've got, you can't see people as objects. It's much easier to TF on an object than a person. Mm For that. Um, The other thing is I always liked, I always go back to my education and and other, but I always like to go backwards with people. I'm like, okay, this is your position on it. I want to hear more about it, but I want to know when did this position that you have start to come together in your life? So often these things are not what happened yesterday. Mm -mm. They didn't happen two weeks ago. They're often positions that people started forming very early in life. So I like to learn about, hey, where are you from? Tell me a little bit about your, your upbringing, all those things, because usually there's always some type of influence that started creating that feeling over time. And then people try to start cementing that. So I think first, for me, it's always like I seek to understand the other person's life and mm-hmm. where they've come from, because that often is a very telling tale of why that position they're very hardcore on that position,
1: you know? Mm -hmm. No, I think that is really true that people, um, you know, they, and I think we also unconsciously get there, right? So I think asking those questions is a great way to bring people into a space of being more conscious about where, where their thoughts and reactions are coming from and create a stronger foundation for real exchange. Um, I also think that one of the things that I talk to people about a lot, uh, is capacity matters. Mm. And so the recognizing that maybe there are some people I can't talk to without having a strong emotional reaction. Mm-hmm. And that's actually okay. Like it's okay to say, no, I'm not doing that. And, and the, let's also point out, there's a point of privilege there. There are places where it based on my, my gender, my wealth, my position of power, and my yeah. uh, race, I might not have the I might not have the privilege and freedom not to have the conversation.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it, it, it's, you know, that's a, a reality I just want to acknowledge and capacity matters, recognizing there are some people I can't talk to uh, without getting triggered or drained. And there are some topics that if I take them on might be harmful to me. And yeah. so identifying where can I, who can I talk to? that I can have a positive interaction with or have the possibility of showing up the way that I want to? And what are the topics that I can be present and powerful and passionate in without being harmed or being harmful? Like, because sometimes what we'll do when we feel like we're threatened is puff up and that's where we might be more attacking, right? And so that's something I really encourage people to be as present to as they can be. Like, what's your capacity? And if you can't do it, do what you can to step away.
0: <laughs> that's such a great point. And it's, it's actually a point I make to a lot of people. I'm like, there's some situations like you just can't have that conversation. And, and you, and that's part of knowing yourself
1: mm-hmm. as
0: part of that. Sometimes you get in things, it creates, it bubbles up this tremendous amount of really bad feelings and tremendous amount of stress. I mean, I come from the fitness industry, health and wellness, where you know that tr- there's a tremendous amount of inflammation that occurs when you start taking on that amount of stress in your life with mm-hmm. other people but i think also another thing and i was telling the audience this before we got on is it's really critically important to know yourself before you get into these conversations with people
1: mm-hmm. and
0: to do a lot of self reflection and that's why i had mentioned about the exercise of take on somebody's viewpoint that you don't agree with it's very difficult to come to the table and have a productive conversation about very difficult topic topics if you haven't really done the work on yourself first to arm yourself with the right strategies and coping mechanisms to have a productive conversation on something that will be extremely triggering for you
1: now, that is such an important point to make and and you also bring something up that i wonder if you could speak to and um, I'm assuming you've considered it, which is that like fitness exercise actually does a lot for our ability to reduce anxiety and to be present. And so I think that, you know, how, how do you, especially from that fitness perspective, see that
0: interaction? Fitness is a weird thing because, um, I've talked about this a lot. Obviously it's incredibly important to be active, whether that's exercise, physical activity or movement. Um, but it's The hard thing about it is it's something that is not done quite a bit by the majority of the population. Only 15 to 17% of the population even exercises regularly, which is different from physical activity or meets the daily requirements put forth for activity or exercise. So it's actually a very tiny population of people who are actually doing something that is incredibly healthy for you. But to that point, it's just another mechanism in order to Create more clarity, um, to be more laser focused, and just to feel better so that you can go into situations with a, a, a more level headed situation. I just think it's for me, like I generally don't have a problem talking about any subject. That's the thing about my podcast. I've had literally everything <laughs> yeah. on here. I mean, I've had DEA agents on here and stuff. And we had a big discussion on legalization of cannabis. And, psilocybin, all that stuff. I have my views. I have their point of views. And it went, it went wonderful because we were respectful in the conversation. Right. And part of this journey, it seems like what you're doing is teaching people how to have these conversations. It's a skill. It's not something you're just like, oh, I am just going to blow right into this and do it. You know, it's like mm-hmm. learning how to do this is very important.
1: Yeah, no, I I absolutely agree with that, that the, the learning how and that you, I think we do come from a similar place where it's about yeah. being present to you, being aware of your own, where you're sitting in that. Um, yeah, wow. I'm really surprised to hear there's so few people like such a low percent of the population that yeah. is physically active. And, and yet I shouldn't be, I, when my kids were in elementary school, I was appalled at the shifts. Like they, gosh, because when I was a kid, we had recess. Mm-hmm. Like three times a day, it seemed like. And they got 20 minutes for lunch and recess and then gym twice a week. Yeah. I'm just like, no wonder we have obesity issues if you are like yeah. taking young children and making them sit for seven hours a day. <laughs> that was not the, when I, when they were, before yeah. they started school, you know, I'd be like, okay, get your wiggles out. You got to run around. Mm-hmm. You got to go do this. Like I'm a, you know, I, I was a runner at the time. And yeah. And I just I was appalled when they went into the school system and suddenly they were they were denied that actually yeah. and I thought well that's not great modeling or set up for for success in terms of just general so I'm not talking about making them elite athletes I'm just saying could you please give them a you chance are. to run around twice a day
0: yeah and this is an this is another open and honest discussion which I think is you know if you go on any app or anything fitness is huge like the, yeah. the perception of fitness on Instagram or any app is huge, right? It's like one of the biggest things. But the reality is it's it's very Mm -hmm. tiny. Okay, so everybody listening here, what you're seeing on there is actually not the reality of statistical reality that is happening. We know the honest conversation, that is not my opinion. This is not my opinion. This is statistical reality that 68 to 70% of the United States population is overweight and obese. That's the, that's the statistical reality for that. Mm-hmm. If you say, oh, well, I live in a place where there's hardly anybody like that, well, consider yourself part of the very, very tiny minority of that, huh. all right? So it's extremely tiny. And that 15 to 17 or 18% has not changed in 30 years. That number mm-hmm. has not changed in 30 years. That's the statistical reality of that. The other open and honest aspect of the, that thing is, if you look at this from a biological and anthropological perspective, we what we do for activity and exercise, we shouldn't want to do it either. That's the other weird thing. Because in studies of like the Hazda tribes, hunter-gatherer tribes that are currently living, and ones from the past, the historical wreck we have, all of our, our biological calories and energy have Usually for hunting, gathering, tubing, walking, survival, reproduction. So things like running for the purpose of health are completely illogical for current humans because biologically is not what we were meant to do. We run to survive, we run to hunt, to gather, to tube, to walk, those things. So even when you go to current hunter-gatherer tribes, Daniel Lieberman talks about this, his book, Exercise, which is an amazing book. He would go out on runs in the morning in this village, and they would ask him why he did that. He's "Oh, just, you know, for fitness. And they were like, what, what are you talking about? Like, why do you do that? So biologically, what we're doing currently is totally, um, you shouldn't want to do it. The reality of it is you have to do it mm-hmm. because our technology is the, is taking away the activity out of our living life. Yeah. Is, humans are not going to regress and make life harder for themselves. Well, do you envision not, a life not
1: intentionally harder? in certain ways? That's for sure.
0: <laughs> You're not going to say, "Hey, yeah. I'd like to like take away all the parking spaces close to the store."
1: Right. Let's just get rid of that. <laughs> is that that is no, fundamentally,
0: <laughs> we are pleasure seeking people. We are wired to want to do things that are the path of least resistance. So our technology is creating Uber Eats, you know, DoorDash. It's uh, now, like think about if you look at garbage trucks, they no longer have people getting off the side of the truck, which was dangerous anyways, side of the truck and picking up something. Now a machine does it. Yeah. We are trying to automate and take away the activity and our living for that. That's not my opinion. That is what's happening actually for that. So I think having those discussions, anyway, I went on a long rant about this. No, but- no,
1: I love it. That's why I asked you because I think yeah. one, I was super surprised by that. I have two questions. One, can you very quickly, because I make, I'm making an assumption. Tell me what tubing is.
0: <laughs> yeah. Just like, you know, like um, if you're like digging and stuff okay. for like in tubing, trying to get tubers and things, little, like little vegetables oh, and good. things like that, um, stuff like that. And that actual practice, you know, it's like basically gardening, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, Something that a lot of people got into during the pandemic, <laughs> which know, is
1: surprisingly like cardiovascular at times. Yeah, when you said tubing, I was thinking of those fun things that I did as a kid oh, yeah, with tires in the river. <laughs> but I was just like, that doesn't probably fit the no. ancient plant. <laughs> they didn't have. That. But I was like, man, if they did, yeah. I, that's cruel. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, no, no, I think that it, one of the there's this like bizarre. Uh, separation or tendency towards separation. And I would say dominant, uh, culture these days to, to try to say like the, the mind and the body are, mm. are not entwined. And, right. and so it leads to this lack of uh, support, I think for, for physical health. Um, and also I, I personally put it on this Puritan background we have, where the, there's a lot of body rejection and hatred and shame. Mm. Yeah. And so giving, giving yourself that, that support is not necessarily valued, but um, yeah, I'm still, I'm just like, thank you for, for outlining that. And I'll check that book out. It sounds really interesting. It's
0: really good. It's, it's really literally just off a biological and anthropological perspective about Mm -hmm. exercise and what I really like that it does. And what I think is really important. It operationally defines what exercise is, what physical activity is and what movement is. What we've done is we've provided that these are basically the same thing to the public when they're vastly different, vastly different things. Um, And I've talked about this a lot in my podcast, but having information, knowing that, but also telling people like, it's okay. It's not that you're lazy. It's not that maybe there's a tiny bit of that. It's mainly that biologically, this is awkward what we're doing. This is not what we want to be doing. This is not what our DNA Mm -hmm. says we do to survive. Our calories don't go, to go towards running on a treadmill, lifting a kettlebell, whatever that is. That's not what historically humans have done. But as things have changed, we have to get into this mode because what's the alternative? What, so what I'm going to propose here, what I'm going to say here is going to sound very controversial. And this is my opinion. So I want to put that out there. This there's nothing statistically Statistical reality about this This is purely my opinion. Again, how I set up the behavior is explaining the behavior I'm going to tell you about. Yeah. Uh So that's a strategy for the audience. But the other thing is, more than likely, the only way that a population our size would ever get back to being 10% obese Uh, overweight, we would have to lose a lot of our technology, we would have to go back to being more uh, a manual labor based society Mm -hmm. in order for that to happen, because our manual labor would be what we needed to do to survive for that. Mm -hmm. I mean, think about it. Do you want to go back to that? Do most (laughs) people want to go back? to that? (laughs) Right? I don't even think the people during that time wanted to do that. Generally, they wanted to have an easier life.
1: Yeah. But that's why we have off. it. People are motivated to create this and right. an easier life,
0: right? But it's called trade-off theory. When mm-hmm. you do one thing, you trade off to another. So right now we're technically trading off an easier lifestyle of convenience and we're trading off our physical activity and exercise for that. I don't think it's a good thing. That's just my opinion for that, but that's part of the discussion of, of open, right. honest discussion. You know.
1: And I, I actually am right there with you that, uh, I just, I, I'm one of those people for whom, uh, so I did a thing it's called a metabolic profile, mm-hmm. um, where they test your DNA to kind yep. of get some understanding of how your, um, how your brain works. Yep. And my particular genetic makeup is one where exercise has a, a highly enhanced benefit for my, my cognitive, um, yeah. my, my cognitive success. So everybody gets a benefit I get a super extra benefit. And I've yeah. seen that in my life, that when I'm in a regular habit of just even general basic physical activity, let alone, like there was a period of time where I did half marathons, like I was at the yeah. next level, not there anymore. <laughs> uh, but, but when I'm doing more, I definitely see that that mood and cognitive benefit. And so it, it even more than a medication, right? Like I'll sleep yeah. better, I'll, you know, all of that. and And so it's, but it's one of those things where it is hard to prioritize, not just because it's going to be the cold outside or I'm tired, but there aren't a lot of great structures in my opinion, yeah. like the way that work is set up and, and that kind mm. of thing. I think it's hard for a lot of people. It's one of the things that I think could end up being a, a benefit of this. The difficulties that we faced over the last couple of years is as more people are going more remote, Yeah. Um, they were able to do things like cook at home and make healthier meals and also yeah. get some of that movement in. And I, I think that like what you're saying, like, we're not going to go backwards. We have to come up with a, a way to incentivize and structure that into, but people have to know why they have to know what's important. Have know
0: why. They have yes. to know
1: the benefit. And um, I'm hopeful. I mean, it, it, I, I feel like there are some small efforts, but I, I agree with you completely. It's It's super important. And the way that we're doing it right now isn't isn't bringing that forward to the level that we need both like like I said like even just the school system if our school systems built more habits like that into the daily life of our kids yeah what what would happen you know (laughs) how would that show up if if they had 12 years of habit you know would they keep it maybe maybe not but I, I think we'd have a better chance um my health insurance incentivizes things like if I go in and get uh and I'm the kind of person who prioritizes kind of maintenance anyway, Yeah. but they give me like a little like debit card and I go in and talk sure. to my healthcare provider about my year. And then I get a, a little bit of money on my debit card, which maybe I and I spend on going out to eat. I don't know, but uh, yeah, there's some limitations. It's interesting. I can't spend it on alcohol, tobacco, or firearms. The, yeah. the card won't work for those, but anything right. else I want to spend it on, I can. So there's, I think, some attempts, but I think insurance companies are starting to recognize that these aren't luxuries. A gym membership yeah, or course. um uh, you know, healthcare prevention. It's not a luxury. It's yeah. going to reduce their costs and it's gonna it's gonna make us happier.
0: Like it's a win-win, right? Yeah. And see these topics like you're getting healthcare, that's a big topic. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, dissension for people. And I think also in like providing nuggets of information for people. So let's take a scenario like. If you're going to you ever see town hall meetings and stuff like Mm -hmm. that, and they're always like bad ideas in my opinion, (laughs) because people just go and they just tee off on other people. And the reality of that needs to be is there needs to be ground rules set ahead of time. And if you're going in there loaded for bear, you're not going to get the outcome that you desire because you're going on offense immediately. So. Here's a solution. Here's something to think about. When everybody's listening. A lot of people listening. Maybe you have something you want to talk to someone about. Maybe it's a local official. Maybe it's about health care. Um, maybe it's about fitness exercise. You have to think about the desired outcome first. Then you have to think about how will my behavior determine this desired outcome? How, how am I going to present myself? The presentation of self is often overlooked with people, they skip the self and go right into, I'm going to go crazy for that, Mm -hmm. right? Any emotional dialogue without any thought is, it really has no, it basically ends up being a huge clash. Oh, nothing happened. Nothing happened. I went to this meeting, nothing happened. Okay. What was your behavior during that meeting? Did you come in loaded, ready to attack for that? A better approach is to bring more of a sandwich approach to the discussion. So, for instance, for all the people listening see here, if I was to talk to Isla about something that maybe she really was very diabolic, diametrically opposed to me, I would first really focus on something very nice, very complimentary about the person, very validating about that person first. Then it's harder to be upset at people when you're nice to them, for them to be mm-hmm. upset at you for that. You got to set the scene, (laughs) set the scene for the behavior that you want. Then I may say, hey, I disagree with this stance on healthcare. Here's some reasons why. Now I'm monitoring the tone of my voice while I'm doing that. I'm saying, here's why I disagree. I'm thinking about how my eyes are connecting with them. My body language, whole thing. Here's the thing. You're probably not thinking of this when you're upset at all. You're just like, I disagree with that. Why did you say that? All of a sudden, the other person in their mind, they've shut off their logic part of their brain and they've turned on, I'm going to attack you part of the brain here. So, and then come back to something nicer for that. You say, hey, I disagree with you about this. It's not something that I have that perspective on. However, I want to thank you for saying that, that you spoke, we were speaking your mind, that you feel so strongly about that. There's a way to say things to people mm-hmm. to disarm. A lot of life is disarming people. A lot of mm-hmm. it is, you know.
1: Uh, yeah, I think that I think that's and what you're talking about is that sense of that awareness and and also that they're a human being.
0: That's right. And
1: a woman that we had on the show, I'm, I'll, I'll, her name is Juanita, and she does a lot of this kind of work in corporate America. I just have a, she's I have so much respect for her. Yeah. Um and she talked about the you know when we were doing especially social justice work because there's a lot of rage yeah, there and um rage, yeah. and yeah. I um I lasted a long time in the social justice world and I always attributed to that to my motivation for being there was compassion well while, while rage ignited me to to notice the disparities and the issues it was love and compassion that kept me in the work yeah. and it was the motivation i had in every interaction and what you're talking about, I think that that outcome piece, understanding what it is that you want out of the conversation or the action is is a really important aspect of it. Uh, we I had a staff member who had a situation with someone in community that was pretty upsetting. And I kind of sat down and walked them through that. I said, so we've two options here. You've been personally, wounded. And so I can't be, I can't actually make this choice for you. I may be the boss, but this is not, this is not my realm. Right. So I also recognize my role. Sure. And I said, you know, so there's two things here, there's your personal wounding. And if that needs to be dealt with, with this organization and this person, then I fully support you in that. And I just kind of want to walk you through the consequences, because if, if we, if we have this intense personal reaction, then the thing that wounded you is the thing when they're not going to learn anything, about why, because they're definitely not gonna grow from that. We'd love yeah, for everyone to yeah. be that evolved, but are you? I don't know. <laughs> and right. two, this person is in a position to, to bring more people who have your similar situation into their world and wound them. So we yes. have to decide do we wanna have a, an organizational conversation that holds the situation accountable? I'm not saying we let them off the hook, of course. but we hold them accountable and and we put forward some some requests for actions from this organization to improve their ability to serve this population. However, um, what you're talking about because they were having that, that a moment for action is saying, you just want to be done and you want to work with them again
0: yeah.
1: as an organization, not just as a person. And I understand that. And we could step away cause you're the one that does this program. Yep. And while that makes you feel good, it's not going to actually help the people you serve. So, right what decision do you want to make here? (laughs) And they ended up deciding that it was organizational. So we we did that work, but it, but it was that outcome. Like which outcome do you, and which one do you need? Maybe they, if they had needed the personal one, I I was genuine. I would have supported them in that. It wasn't what I thought was the best approach. But once again, I was not the person who had received the damaging behavior. So it didn't feel like it was actually my choice to make. Right. 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 And so I think that's also really important that outcome oriented, um thoughtfulness you yes. it, and sometimes you look at it and you're like wow the outcome I want is impossible so maybe let's not
0: yeah <laughs> I don't no, I
1: don't need to harm myself that way or waste their time it's not right happen. but there's
0: a stepwise progression to the whole thing you know and it's yep. also like saying you know again this is this requires a lot of pre-thought before mm-hmm. you're going it's, you know you're And it may, it may honestly be hard to do that because you may just be having a very nice conversation with somebody and then they drop a bomb on you about something you're but if you have the opportunity to really, if you know you're going into something, you have to think to yourself and say yourself, okay, what what is the outcome that I'm looking for? And and then relay that to the person, which this is very opposite of how people behave, but I'm telling you, it works. You do it with people. If somebody comes to you and says, hey, listen. I'm going to get very upset right now, and my own goal is just to vent. I'm really not Mm -hmm. into logic. I just want to vent. How am I going to receive that conversation then? I'm going to go, okay, I'm not going to say anything about solutions because they don't want solutions. They just want to vent. And then all of a sudden, it changes the dynamic of that conversation if we actually know what it's about, the behavior we're exhibiting for that. If somebody comes to me and I don't know that, and then they present a very kind of like large, menacing, you know, aggressive thing. Okay, what kind of reaction do you think that person's you're gonna get from that? You're gonna get more aggression is going to meet aggression with more than likely, or you're gonna, as you say, I'm just gonna step away from this for that. Also, on the other thing is it's you may also have to recognize that that's just a referred anger that that person mm-hmm. has it's often really not even about you it's mm-hmm. generally about something else and often when people do that in a conversation I go it seems like like you're feeling very strongly about this your feelings are hurt by this I want to talk about tell me a little bit about that you know again you're softening the blow for that mm-hmm. I think that's really important I,
1: yeah no and, and- And I have, I like, once again, like I have a lot of compassion for that. I I know there are a lot of folks who they just, they've been through it. Right. And, and, and life moves really fast and they're tired and they're strung out and they get bombarded with all sorts of messages that are deliberately, in my opinion, and, you know, intended to amp us up. Right. And so, and so then we're having a chat. I'm not a person, I'm a representation of of something (laughs) and they, and they, they go, they go over. And so I, as much as possible, I actually really do try to, to not receive that you're saying like personally yeah uh some sometimes i think i go too far i, I definitely have taken abuse uh at times from people because i i've been able they don't really mean it and yeah. um and it's like i'm like yeah you know i wouldn't actually be okay with someone talking to somebody else in front of me like this so i can receive that yeah. this isn't personal and i can also say please dial it down <laughs> like i'm not yeah. your problem yeah. i'm pretty sure so can we stop there yeah um but like you said once again it's really about knowing where I'm at and and what's important to me. Um, one of the other uh, things that you made me think of that's what well, is in my list of things to be aware of and having conversations with folks, especially when you want to have them to make a difference maybe, is to to consider your power to influence. Like you have a podcast, I have a podcast, so we have that. Mm-hmm. But most of us don't have like rich and powerful friends and we aren't rich and powerful. So we're not yeah. gonna you know, change the course of, x y or Z situation yeah however we all have somewhere where we can make a difference where we could have the power to influence whether it's a close friend in something very personal a family member maybe i can talk to my sibling yeah and then my nieces and nephews maybe have a little bit better of a situation and um and the other thing i really like to point out is is oftentimes folks will want to have these transformative conversations with people who they perceive as being really different, like a, across mm. the aisle of some sort. Yeah. And often our power is more with the people that we agree with. So if I'm a I'm a reasonably left leaning person, although I come from a conservative background, so I actually have some some traditional um, right. instincts. I guess, like most of us, I think I'm more of a mix. But sure. But the perception I think of my my work has been left leaning, and so when I've found that that's where I can have. Uh, more of an influence is when I'm talking to other people who have that view. And I can point out to them like, yeah, you know, I see that you're really committed here. And and do you understand that you're not doing anything different than maybe the Republicans right now? You just a different topic. Yeah. <laughs> have you have you thought about how that might be a way for you to you know, for example, uh, the language that we use around access to abortion and the right. language that we use around access to um, our Second Amendment rights, yeah. it's really not very different. Right. <laughs>
0: right, You know, it's
1: responsibility, it's life and death, it's somebody, you know, is, is misusing it or whatever. And I'm just like, so maybe reflect on that, that conversation I can have more effectively with a left-leaning person. And just say, hey, you know, if, if all you really care about is a freedom that you consider to be about your life, I'm going to put out there that's entitlement. And maybe you need to think about it. Whereas if I say that to a right-leaning person who perceives me as the enemy, I'm just going to trigger them. <laughs> yeah. But I can be differently present to those people that that perceive me as an ally. And I am, obviously. I'm actually an ally in a larger sense, like I'm a human ally, I want us to live in a world where everybody has respect and an opportunity and enough food and the ability to be yeah. with their family and live their values. And I don't like the way we parse it out. I want us all to have that.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, totally understandable. And, uh, it, you know, anytime you get into human behaviors, messy, because people are messy, and people have different mm-hmm. situations going on. And I would just find it's imperative to try to understand the other person's situation. And like, so you had mentioned that, I'm sorry, I can't remember if it was your dad and that you you have different points of view with- uh, Yeah, my dad and
1: I are really close. We have the same values, but we have really different ways of expressing them.
0: (laughs) Right. So I have a lot of clients who have different values than I do or that they have, um, we disagree on things. Like I have a client who uh, is extremely heavily against religion, uh, spirituality. I have grown up with spirituality my entire life. Uh, we have different perspectives, but when talking about it, we can have a very respectful conversation. Uh, I think because we both give the effort to be good humans to each other. And we can and I often think that people's opinion of things often change not by conversations, but how they see other people live, how they see other people behave, how they treat other people for that. It's actually a very large body language is a huge part of open, honest, and respectful discussion. How you move in the world says a lot about you. Who you surround yourself says a lot about you and also creates different conversations as well.
1: Yeah, well, I, it, it, you bring that up and it, it, it speaks to my experience of, one of the things I really value about uh, politically conservative and right-leaning folks is, they are frequently going to show up like, like it, you know, as, as much as I love, you know, my Buddhist community, they're not going to go oftentimes as a sure. group and address a community issue. Whereas for, we had a flood here in Colorado in 2013 and, and who came and rebuilt the mountain towns, Texas Baptists, they drove yeah. up from Texas. It's spent like right. three weeks up in Jamestown rebuilding that town. And, um, and I'm like, that, that to me, like, what's more important, right? Like, these people needed that. They showed up, they did that work. Jamestown's a pretty like, it's libertarian, but it's also pretty left leaning. Yeah. And yet at the same time, of course, that's going to make a difference. It's going to bring people together. And so I think that's also like, to a certain extent, like shutting up and showing up is a really important part of making the world better.
0: (laughs) Shutting up and showing up. I love that. That's really good. Yeah, I think that's a really important thing. It's, you could say a lot of things. But if you never show up to have solutions about things, it's very difficult. Or if you show up and are combative. in those things, you're not going to convince other people to do things. (laughs) Or you right, generally make your
1: community better, right? right? If you're
0: threatening to harm other people or be combative, that doesn't make the other person want to be cooperative with you. I mean, it's simple, but it's, it's often lost in conversation, you know?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, and I find also that my, my mental and physical health is higher. It's a, I went through a lot of very difficult personal things the last few years. And I got into a, a a very like depressed and, and, you know, difficult place. And in the process of getting myself out of that, one of my friends. Pointed out that his approach to to when he was struggling was to really work to fill his life m- mentally and physically with people that uh, were um, a positive influence or you know positive energy, right? Yeah, and, and, yeah. Uh, and 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 uh, and things that were meaningful. So start there. So instead of being really upset about uh, Facebook being destructive, which I am and talking about that and getting on there and arguing with people on Facebook about how Facebook is destructive, (laughs) turn Facebook off, go outside and pick up the dog poop. (laughs) Everybody (laughs) in my family is going to be happy about that because they're going to step in it for the next week. That's a way better use of my 10 minutes than arguing with someone on Facebook about how Facebook is bad. And, but it's so easy. To get caught up in that, it's it's a low effort. Like you were talking about at the beginning, it's a low effort activity to type a bunch of stuff out, yeah. um, as opposed to go put my shoes on and, and deal with you know an unpleasant but necessary task, and um, and so to me that's that's been one of the things that I have worked to prioritize. Really, every day is saying, all right, like I'm I'm you know, and I'm in a much better place now because of that because I spent this last yeah. couple of years putting my energy into things that actually make my life and the lives of those around me, even just marginally better. And it's, so I think that's a lot of it too, is just really being aware of, we only have so much time. It's our only non-renewable resource. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) This is the time. (laughs) So spend that on the things that are going to achieve your outcome you want. Like if you want a better community, go make it better, do something, bring, bring soup to the homeless shelter. Sure clean up the poop, <laughs> up the poop <laughs> go outside, pick it up, whatever <laughs> it is, do that. Yeah. And you're going to have over time that adds up and it's just better for, for everybody.
0: Yeah. And it's particularly, let's keep this too, is very relevant towards our time, online conversations, commenting on thing on posts and things of that nature. Uh, I often observe, I'm a big observer because I think observation is very important observe every once in a while go and observe a long thread of conversation often it turns very hateful and ugly and again it's an opportunity to understand your own behavior asking yourself why why am I getting involved in this behavior and why am I saying things that may be out of character for me maybe they are Mm -hmm. in character maybe they aren't but if they're directed sort of certain person I would do the the best way to say hey you know Is it okay if we have a private conversation outside of this thread so that we can explain each other's point of views on this versus going through a large thread of things and losing context, losing meaning, not understanding things, or just not spewing, you get a chance to cool down on those Mm -hmm. things. I often think of, there are a lot of wonderful people, super intelligent, highly educated people who comment on threads and say some of the worst stuff. And I urge you to think about those things, because if you're at a university, you're at an engineering job, you're at whatever place you are, that stuff reflects on how your behavior is seen in an environment. Mm -hmm. What is the presentation of self? What do you want people to see? And a lot of times we let our emotions have people see the worst sides of us. A lot of present behavior is all about presentation how do you want your behavior to be perceived? A lot of that's under your control. But you have to actually stop, hit the pause of timeout, say, okay, I'm entering into this thread, potentially. What is the outcome I'm going to get here, what I want? If I'm not going to achieve that outcome, should I stay away from it? Or should I say, I'm going to directly contact the person who put this out and try to get and talk to them individually. Yeah, a lot of it is just thinking ahead of time, which you have yeah. the opportunity to do with online discussions. You can generally always go, I don't like what they said. Okay, back up. How do I want to enter the fray? Or do I want to enter the fray? It's a whole thing, right? It's, oh, it's all as time. Think before you speak. Think before <laughs> you, you know? speak.
1: Well, and uh, I would say that the other thing that I've noticed that I'll do a lot is I will ask myself, I'll start to type something. And then I pause and I'm like, does this do anyone any good? If I contribute here, (laughs) like, am I, am I in any way creating an additive experience? There's 600 comments that make my point. Do I, do I really need to be one more part of that? And, and if, if I can't definitively say yes, I delete it and I walk away. Like there's no point in, in being, in, in being part of a a brawl. Right. And, um, and the other thing that you mentioned, uh, the other day I was asking for advice and you hopped in and I appreciated that, um, we, we just started live streaming on our show. So, and, um, and we had it as the, the second guest was differently aligned than we understood. And I would normally, like you said, I do all this prep work and I just missed it. Right. Yeah. And then we're in the show and it was like, oh, crumb cakes. Like I didn't prepare my co-host. I did not prepare the guest. I wasn't prepared, but I felt it was my responsibility. So it was maybe, you know, another thing. And I, and the, I really appreciated what you said in terms of saying, okay, like in that moment, it's not, it's not, um, it's absolutely appropriate to say, I'm going to pause us here because I'm seeing that we are misaligned in a way that. I'm not actually fully comfortable having on my show right now. Yeah. And and some of that is because I'm happy to talk across difference with folks. And I do want to have more preparation for them and for us than what we ran into. Yeah, And so I think that it, and that's one of the things that by Kirin for me is also about that. And I really appreciated you framing it the way that you did that standing for your values and saying no, even in that. So if that could feel very risky or scary or yeah. vulnerable, it is also 100% appropriate uh, and and honestly necessary. So it's once again, it's not about letting people off the hook. It's not about being in format. It is simply about finding um, non attacking ways to yes. to stand for your beliefs and yeah. to present the things that matter to you to be passionate without being damaging.
0: Yeah, ex- exactly. It's and I don't think we're, we're not saying, hey, let's just shut down your value system. That's not the thing. It's like you believe this. You feel good about it. It's not harmful to other people. You just want to, hey, you want to live in that world. You want these things. It's great to express and stand up for what you believe. But if it's in a way that is super combative, it hurts other people, you're aggressive about it, the intent to harm with it, or you're just trying to destroy the other person's value system. That's not a constructive way of chatting with people. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, that gets exhibited a lot in the online environment and then hyper explosive environments. And you have to be aware of who's the who's the person that's lighting the match, because sometimes Mm -hmm. people there are people who that's what they're trying to do is stir the pot. They Mm -hmm. want an online environment, especially I've seen it so many times where somebody brings up, let's say. It's a vaccine thing, whatever you think vaccine mandates or not, somebody brings it up and they put out a post and they do it on purpose to stir it up. And, you know, their reasoning may not be because they want to have an intelligent debate about vaccines. They may literally just want a lot of people commenting so that increases their visibility. Yeah, they they just want attention. (laughs) So you have to look, you have to stop and think, is this an attention seeking behavior based thing? Or is this an intelligent discussion we're going to have? And often people fall into the attention baiting mm-hmm. aspect of it. So again, it, it goes back to how do I want to present myself? What is this actually that I'm heading into? And do I want to be a part of it? The other thing, if I am going to be a part of it, what's the behavior that I want to present here? And is it a good representation of the behavior that I want people to see about me? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and I also have a a mantra that I used as a, as a parent, uh, although I think it applies across the board, which is don't reward behavior. Don't want to see continue Mm. when, when someone engages in a behavior, attention seeking behavior, they want attention. So how do I respond in a way that doesn't reward that both for myself and for, for that situation or that person. And I found that to be a great reminder
0: Yeah, I I think it's right. Because, you know, honestly, we're humans. We are much like uh, animals, like pack animals. We desire community. We desire attention. We also desire to know our place, our hierarchy, and Mm -hmm. the things we're doing. We desire to know our role in the community, in the group, which then also helps to funnel how uh, interactions are going to happen if we know where we're at in that community for that. So Again, I hope for the audience, this is just some little tips and some things to think about. A lot of behavior is just thinking ahead of time and Mm -hmm. postulating the outcome. Often the outcome is never thought of. It's just, I'm going to get this person. And I'm not sure, whatever the outcome is, it is what it is. I would urge you not to have that behavior, is to think of what could be the outcome of my behavior. If I go on here, and I say a bunch of bad things about my employer what is the outcome possible outcome of that behavior probably high percentage not good yeah if I go on here and say a lot of amazing things about my job and how much I love what I do the potential outcome is maybe a lot of people be inspired by that for that mm -hmm. which one do you want (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, how, wait, wait, yeah. What, what do you want to be? And how do you want to show up? Yeah. And I also think you bring attention to something that I think folks don't frequently note in themselves, which is we all have some amount of influence and power. Yes. And I feel like observationally, and also my, my feeling about it is that there's a decent amount of harm that comes from the ignorance of, of that impact, right? Like, yeah. and you can look at some of the conversations we're having nationally, like the, the Me Too movement or Black Lives Matter and the reactions that people have to those conversations. And typically one of the aspects of that is, oh no, I couldn't be the person causing harm because I don't have any power, right? Like yeah. I'm not, I'm not actually, and, and so because of that ignorance, because people don't understand often their ability to influence for the power that they have, they, they cause this unintentional harm for, for folks. And so I, I think that there's a, I don't know, like a, I, I hope that as we're, as we're engaging in this effort, that, that part of it will be for people to start to understand that yes, I'm aware of my power because I harm someone and that sucks. And yeah. what that means though, is I have this and I can go yeah. forward knowing it and being aware of my impact, being aware of the outcome that I want and, and how my presentation contributes or limits what I want to be in the world and how I want to show up and, and the things that I want to be part of creating. Yeah. So I think that's important to, to, to recall. I know I didn't think I had any power. And then I realized like, Oh, wow. Like that. I just, I just said this thing and now I'm seeing people behave in a different way. That was not what I thought was going to (laughs) happen. Not think of myself as significant at all.
0: (laughs) Right. And you are (laughs) significant,
1: significant, but in context, I'm significant to some people. I (laughs) can't. Of course, I, I need to to that,
0: right? Your children, <laughs> right? your significant others, family members, you're a significant, powerful part of their lives. So how powerful do you want to be in their yeah. lives? How significant and, and do you want to be a positive force? And listen, this is not to say this you don't, you know, the environment you're born into has a huge play into this. It's sometimes mm-hmm. very difficult to rise above things when you are born into a very difficult situation i do not want to make light of that that is a very serious thing but i think the other thing is if you want to be positive have a good conversation i have another exercise that i think is great for people to do not exercising like physical exercise but another i bet thing you have a do. couple
1: of those too yeah you but- <laughs> could do that too.
0: but another thing i think is really positive and i think this is another uncomfortable exercise okay you, you'll love this i think just be good but um but if, you're, if you have three people, yourself and two other people, I've done this many times in staff meetings, done it in educational institutions, whole thing. One person sits in the middle, two people sit on the side of this person. The person in the middle, their job is to just listen, be quiet. All right? This is creating a behavior of positivity among other people. The two people on the side, the only thing they can discuss is all the wonderful things about the person in the middle. That's all they discuss. How much? So if I'm sitting here and another person I know, Aisila is right there. The only thing we talk about is how great she is. How what, what how she makes us feel? What does she do to help me be better every day? The things I like about her, the whole thing. One the one of the greatest observations is how uncomfortable the person in the middle becomes. Yeah, just because thinking about it, I'm like, you're that's not really uncomfortable. Being, you're not used to being told. You're amazing, you're good, you're worthy, how you make me feel. You're not used to that. It is an awkward, unnatural thing that humans never do with each other. It's much easier to tell all the things that I don't like about you or the things that Mm -hmm. you do wrong. But this exercise is very important. It helps you to learn how to take compliments, how to be more positive and to speak positively about other people. So you do that, then you switch places. And everybody gets a turn being told the good things about themselves and telling other people, you're creating a groundswell of goodness and kindness and love and connection with other people. And just the conversations you have after doing the exercise are amazing because you see the squiggliness, you're like, oh, I don't want to, oh, I don't deserve this. Why are you saying all these nice things? Think about how sad that is yeah, to feel yeah, like it's... you don't deserve to be told good things about yourself think that that's a part of poor conversation. How can you be good to someone else if you don't believe you're good at all? That's that's a difficult thing. So that's a nugget of a part of open, honest, respectful discussions, working on the self, doing exercises like this to build up your confidence, to know you're good. There are great things. There are great things about all humans. There's something there. You got to be willing to find it and talk about it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and it's also it, I once again to you know the filling yourself with those because we don't we don't have the ability to think of everything all the time mm-hmm. so if you start with that appreciation for someone um and one of the things that I think is also really interesting about that is you know there was a period of time my kids were in middle school and that was a, it was a rough time. Middle schoolers have a, yeah. they're growing through a lot and yeah. <laughs> it can you be are. difficult. Yeah. And I was in an, I really, for the most part, had a lot of positive feelings about being a parent, but I was in a space where I was like, wow, this sucks right now. Like I, hey, yeah. they are hard. And I thought, you know, that's not, while my experiences are pretty challenging, that's not where I want to be. And so I decided I get up every morning and I would say out loud to myself, five things I appreciated about each of them. And, and sometimes it was as basic as they brushed their teeth. Like it was, it was a hard time. (laughs) And, and what I noticed was, I want to say within less than a week, things changed. Yeah. It's, and I didn't tell him, I didn't get up and say, I'm saying five nice things about you. because You drive me crazy. It's maybe yeah. counterproductive, right? I right. just got up and I, that was part of my morning routine and just getting myself into a different place where I was yeah. appreciating what I could about how they were showing up as yeah. young beings struggling to find their way and establish their identity and deal with hormones. Yeah. Like there was a lot going on for them. I, for sure. they, they had a, a circumstance that created things that were were challenging And, and so by, by present, by, by presencing myself to that with nothing else. So what like took me less than two minutes, it shifted and changed our engagements in a much larger way. And it just really reminded me how valuable it is to, to state our gratitude. And and it has to be genuine and concrete. Like I really did have to stretch for things because we were in sort of a negative space, but. But as long as it was genuine and concrete, and I said, there's something about saying it out loud, that's really powerful. Even if you're just say yep. it to yourself, yep. it, it does something to shift how you are reacting and engaging. And it, it did make such a difference um, in, in our, in our ability to kind of have a, I think more positive environment because my stress was just amplifying their challenges.
0: Right. <laughs> Didn't need that well, for me. Right. That's most conversations. If like one person is amplifying the other person's stress and maybe you have this stress. And so it's, it's really important to arm ourselves with good exercises and things we can do strategies to have better conversation. Most things in life were a skill to be learned. It's not like you're great at all these things all the time. No, it's much no, like I, not. like you, 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 uh, you ran a lot, right? So I was a collegiate athlete. I was a, a runner, a scholarship runner. It's a skill. Running, Mm -hmm. just recreationally running, I'm telling you right now, it's okay, but you could be a much better runner if you learn the technique of how to run properly, hip placement, foot strike, the whole thing. With that, it's just an example of even things that you think you should be able to do on your own, they're all skill based. Most of this, you can get better at anything if you really put the effort into learning it and learning how to have open, honest, respectful discussions. It's a skill. You shouldn't be expected to know how to do this, like, I'm just amazing at conversation with people. Some people (laughs) maybe are a little bit, but most people have a very difficult time because you're coming from a lot of different circumstances, points of views, and you, you maybe have never questioned the things that have been told to you. You maybe never, you've never, you probably have never done these exercises. I'm telling you, these exercises, I've never seen anybody else do this stuff. When I, when I, it's always like whenever I presented to people, they're like, I've never been told I'm good amongst by two people and had to be quiet. It's like, no, these (laughs) are are very different things. I learned this in very specific coursework in college at a very awesome university. Maybe it's done at other universities, but I haven't seen it. But these are just some things that will help you to become a better behavioralist with people. Learning how to argue is incredibly valuable. When I have arguments with my partner, I, And I actually embrace it. I embrace it because I always tell her, I said, This is a chance for us to grow. We need to embrace this conflict. Now, here are the rules of embracing this conflict how we're going to talk about it type of thing. I'm not yelling, I'm not shouting, I'm not getting emotional about that. And I think about it ahead of time. There's so much value into that, but that's a skill you have to keep doing that over and over again you have to keep thinking ahead of time how do I, how am i coming to the conflict how am i showing up sh- showing up to the conflict how do mm-hmm. i want this the outcome to be from this conflict from right after and beyond so you have to arm yourself with armor and tools in order to be better at having conversations it's just you you have to be in the fire too you have to be willing to have uncomfortable conversations with people because mm-hmm. you don't get better unless you do it. Right. <laughs> you have to actually do it mm-hmm. you
1: know? No, that's really true. My, my partner and I um, I don't, I didn't grow up in a particularly functional situation and so mm-hmm. I, learning how to have intimate conflict was a choice and, and partially because I saw that in in relationships where I wasn't open to that, you know I'd accommodate right up until I'd be done, right Like yeah. there' was no I didn't give my partner a chance to participate because of that. And so um and so what that means though is that I I could be awkward um in that space in a way that and 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 they have their own their own thing. And so one of the things that we came up with is a code word, which (laughs) funnily enough we we say code word. So if if one or the other of us is feeling like overly agitated I I, because I can tell when I'm about to be super unreasonable
0: right and so
1: (laughs) and 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 so I just I've learned like okay I can I can feel crazy Aisla or you know uh, you know highly unreasonable Aisla is about to show up and and insist that she's right about everything (laughs) and blah and deny reality in every way she can yeah and so that's when I'm like okay we got a code word out I need 10 minutes. Yeah. Or, or yeah. I'm going to say, do things that I have to apologize for it. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and,
1: and of course I'm going to, cause I care about the relationship, but, uh, it's so like what you're saying, like those ground rules, some of them are long-term where we recognize, mm. like you've got a lot of passion and, 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 and we, we don't want that to turn into something negative. Yeah. And, and so we have to be responsible for for knowing our own limits, and I would say that yeah. that also translates obviously to the other places where i was saying you know you know your capacity is know your limits,
0: you, know your and limits.
1: recognize there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with right. acknowledging that that you're not superhuman, you're not perfect, yeah, yeah. and y- you you are allowed to give yourself some grace, yes, in a situation
0: and that I would say it. even
1: encouraged,
0: yeah, and think about it like all the people listening and stuff and who are gonna listen to this. I mean, I wish there was like a raise your hand function for Mm -hmm. this and everybody see, but like everybody out there, how many of your parents taught you how to argue effectively with another person growing up? Yeah. Like their parents actually sat them down. Here's how you argue and have an effective conversation with someone. I'm guessing this is purely my opinion. I'm putting this, I'm guessing that that percentage is so low. It's like 1% or less that, or even in high school, you had a class that taught you how to uh, resolve conflict. I guarantee you it probably didn't exist when you were there. So you're asking a large group of the population to be good at having respectful conversations, open conversations about things they don't like when they've never been taught how to do it by their parents, guardians, grandma, grandpa, whatever, school system. We've done nothing to prepare people to have good conversation so i don't actually expect people to come to the table with this amazing skill for this because (laughs) i think if you could raise your hand on wisdom and there was a function for that they need to work on that i don't know something like that
1: yeah (laughs) so people can indicate i'm telling you
0: it's probably mega mega low for that and Mm -hmm. this is whether you grew up in a a dysfunctional home whether you grew up in an amazing home you probably still never got that for that. Mm -hmm. You mimicked what you saw, whether it was in the home or, you know, whether it was outside the home, you mimicked what you saw. You're probably never actually sat down and given the playbook for effective yeah. conversation. So that's why our discussions like this is important because it's education as long, you know, it's, it's teaching you how to be a better communicator.
1: Well, and, and you and I obviously are really well aligned. So we're not necessarily modeling conflict. Um, And I think that's not, I think that's great. Sure. And I know for me, well, as a parent, you know, my kids were young and I, I'm i going to say like one, two years old. I realized I was watching my son and, and he was going around biting his lip. And I was like, that's weird. And then I was washing my hands and I noticed I do that. Yeah, and I had that, yeah. um, that moment of discovery, which we hear all the time how that's true, but I actually got to see it. And I recognized like, oh, yeah. he's copying me. And I, I said, okay, so what I do, especially since I was a, a, an at-home mom at that time. And so I was like, I, I found that if I watched their behavior and noted what they were doing, I could often determine how my behavior was making that something that seemed natural to them so no. i didn't actually have to correct them or discipline them as right. much if i corrected and disciplined myself and so i spent a lot of time when i was raising them really like what you were talking about like what's the outcome i want right yeah. so when my when they were um you know 5 and 6 we were uh talking about invading Af- iraq and uh-huh. afghanistan and um my my younger child is like our president is evil and he kills people and blah. And I'm like, you're parroting. I do not want to raise a parrot.
0: And so so then I'm
1: sitting, having a conversation with my child, explaining that I think they just heard someone say that. And they yeah. have obviously not really thought about it or looked into it. And I knew they were young, but I didn't feel like they were too young. Yeah. And so, and I got home and I was telling my partner, I was like, I just had to defend that jerk president of ours. Like I did yeah. it behind closed doors. Sure. I didn't say those kinds of things in front of them because I didn't want them to just be influenced by the strongest voice in the room. I wanted yeah. them to be thoughtful. I wanted them to, cause I was like, yeah, right now I'm the strongest voice and they're going to agree with me. However when they get older, there's going to be a different strong voice. So I really want them to think that's how you reflect on what matters. And so because of that, I spent a lot of time really attempting to model what that was for them and say, yeah, like, yeah, you have this opinion. And what it was a little bit like your philosophical class thing, I guess where, and then I would say, but what about, you know, why, why do you think someone would make that choice? Like I, my understanding is that choice is from a place of like national, defense and you know why would someone consider that to be defense even though i didn't necessarily agree with the 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 uh decisions or motivations right that wasn't what mattered to me what mattered to me was modeling for them having a thorough and thoughtful analysis of of these types of assertions so that now as adults what I find is really interesting. Like I learned from them. They are their own people. We share values, but we think about things differently and I'm really proud of them. I'm proud of the decisions that they make, but more importantly, I'm proud of their thinking about how they get to those decisions because they do take the time to reflect and consider they aren't parrots. And I was, I was very concerned about that. I was like, I've seen that occur. I don't, I don't want that. I don't want two more parrots in the world. (laughs) No,
0: no, definitely not. Well, I'll tell you what, this was uh. This was very enlightening, um, and I I, mean, I could go on forever with this. This is such a great topic, and Aisila, I am so glad that I met you on Wisdom. Seriously, like me too. I, just took I a really want to have of, you on
1: our show. I yeah, like, I would I'd love really to. enjoy I just, this.
0: I just took a chance. I was like, eh, I'm gonna be in. I'm gonna hit the guest thing and get in on here, and uh, just see what happens. I mean, a lot of life is like that. You gotta show mm-hmm. up for life, take some chances. And, uh, this was like a, for everyone listening, it was like a last minute booking. I had someone else lined up, which you guys knew, cause I talked about, and she had to move for, uh, a very serious thing. Um, so, uh, I was like, man, who could I get in this spot? I know who, I know. Who. Thank you so much. So, it was
1: such a, I, like you said, it's been great to meet you and talk to you. I look forward to more of that. And yeah, thank you to everybody for, sure. for listening today.
0: Yeah. Thank you for everyone here on wisdom. We are awesome. 112 people checking this out. Really amazing. I hope everyone is enjoying the wisdom app. You're having a great experience. And, uh, uh, tomorrow back again, uh, for all the parents, relational intelligence for parents. That's what we're talking oh, about tomorrow good. with Marita and So and can uh, I
1: mention our show tomorrow night? Yes, is of that, course, please uh, check it out. Yeah, no, I, yeah, we're going to, so we're by doing live streams now. Very exciting to me. We may try to get on the wisdom app. I'll see if I can manage that Thursdays at six, 30 p.m. Mountain Time on YouTube. You can find my Twitter and my handle if you want to check it out and and follow us. We'd love to have you participate in that conversation. Tomorrow we're having Miguel Baca Barragan. He's a a radio show host in Denver and he talks about Latin life and uh, we're going to talk about ballot issues and things. He's fantastic.
0: That's fantastic. Well, you heard it here. Isla Lewis, Vicarian, Thursdays. Check Mm -hmm. it out. Uh, this is Dr. D's social network. Thank you guys for checking it out, uh, the podcast, and uh, I'll see you on Wisdom, and I'll see you on check out the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, very grateful for everyone joining. Isila, thank you so much. Appreciate. Thank
1: it. you. Bye, everybody.